Hello, I am Leanne Doplace, and you are listening to Season 2 of Colorado State University History Department's podcast, The Land Grant Chronicles. Written and recorded by the students in the History of Outdoor Recreation class, this season explores the crisis of outdoor recreation in the United States. At the end of a long dirt road, one arrives upon this beautiful, breathtaking valley. Located at just over 9,000 feet, high in the Rocky Mountains, bordering Rocky Mountain National Park, is home to so many species that get to call this place home. I'm talking about Colorado State University's mountain campus. Here stands a long history of Native Americans, loggers, homesteaders, and what it has become, a mountain campus. This land was initially occupied by Native Americans, tribes we believe to be the Arapaho, Mountain Ute, and Cheyenne. In the 1830s, fur trappers got involved in the area, and a couple decades later, gold prospectors followed. Around 1865, George Pingree, a logger, inhabited the valley. He set up a railroad tie camp officially in 1868. The railroad ties could be seen floating down the river and into LaPorte, Colorado, and then transported to Wyoming from there. Within a few years, the demand for railroad ties was fulfilled and George Pingree went elsewhere. In the later 1890s, homesteaders brothers Hugh and Charles Ramsey established a ranch in the valley. A family friend, Frank Koenig, joined soon after and eventually married Hugh's daughter, Hazel. They took over the valley and ranch and began raising their family. Visiting the valley now, we can still see some of the buildings from that time. Some have been rebuilt and rebuilt again due to fires like the current Standing Museum, which used to be their house. Other preserved historical buildings include Grandma's Cabin, a barn, a root cellar, a chicken coop, an old schoolhouse, and a cabin that used to house a schoolteacher. The homesteaders were the original supporters of outdoor recreation in the valley, renting out cabins on the property to anglers and hunters in the summertime. Now, how did Colorado State University get involved in this land? Well, in 1914, President Charles E. Lorry of Colorado Agricultural College, now Colorado State University, was able to select 1,600 acres of land for research and field study thanks to an act of Congress from 1912. The first class was held in 1915 and the first forestry field camp in 1917, all while the Koenigs still resided in the valley. The 1960s saw the first original designation as a campus of Colorado State. Prior to 2015, the campus's official name was the Pingree Park Mountain Campus. George Pingree, the logger I mentioned earlier, unfortunately had a self-proclaimed role in the Sand Creek Massacre. Given his racist past that obviously didn't align with CSU's principles, the campus became what it is now known as today, Colorado State University's Mountain Campus. Now, if you drive up to the Mountain Campus between May and October, you will find an exciting community. The community consisting of Warner College students in their hammock studying, professors guiding their students in field studies, guests enjoying nearby nature and outdoor recreation, and later on in the season, fifth and sixth grade EcoWeek students learning in a new environment. The campus continues to grow as more students and more of the CSU community visit. While the campus hosts many diverse groups, there are still significant roadblocks to enjoying its offerings for those who are not able-bodied. Many of the outdoor activities available involve navigating rugged trails and experiencing undeveloped nature. Even some buildings, especially the historic ones, weren't made for all types of abilities. This can limit where one can go throughout the campus. During field courses, many of the requirements built into lesson plans require students to travel off-trail for plant ID or hike to various sites to study. When EcoWeek students who use their wheelchairs visit, staff carry their chairs down the riverbank and drive them the short trip to the ropes course so they can participate, and they must sit out on many offered lessons. To accommodate for more accessibility would mean that ecosystems would be disrupted, 
historical buildings would be altered and the landscape would permanently change. The university now faces the challenge of preservation versus progress. How should the mountain campus address the crisis of accessibility while maintaining the integrity of the historical and natural landscape? The mountain campus is one of my favorite places on earth, and I know many others feel the same. As more and more people visit the mountain campus, the challenge of physical accessibility grows. The future of the mountain campus is uncertain, but I can only hope that many more people get to love the place that I do. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Land Grant Chronicles.